This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Good morning. I'm Jim Lang, and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, today is a big day if you have a three-year-old that is on the edge of maybe qualifying for a birth in this year's Kentucky Derby. And friend of the show, Kurt Becker, is back to talk about one of the road to the Kentucky Derby points races, the $1 million bluegrass stakes at Keeneland Racecourse, where the winner today will receive 100 points towards a birth in the Kentucky Derby. The first Saturday in May, you know you love it. Kurt has had the distinction of being the only track announcer ever at Keeneland Racecourse course home of today's derby prep up to 1997 thoroughbred racing at the lexington kentucky racetrack was conducted without an announcer but in 1997 kurt broke the silence and he has been announcing the races there ever since kurt's resume also also included calling races for nascar some standard bread racing on the illinois fair circuit and reading pedigrees at thoroughbred and standard bread horse sales on both sides of the border but today kurt will be in the keeneland announcers booth preparing to call the bluegrass stakes which for a few of its entries will be their last chance to earn enough points to qualify for the big event itself you know you'll love it shortly we will speak to kurt who by many is considered one of the best track callers and race callers in the game today and kurt will give us some handicapping insight on today's bluegrass which is a highlight of a superb card of racing today with five stakes races program at the keenland race course in addition today friend of the show Robert Landry, General Manager of Cheesewood Stable, will join us today. And how about Weyburn? If you're a regular follower of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, well, and we hope that you are, you'll probably remember that Robert was on our show a couple of times in the past, and Weyburn was a subject. And there was Kentucky Derby talk about this guy last year. Well, last week we saw a new wrinkle in Weyburn's arsenal, and the now four-year-old made its first start of 2022 as part of the Florida Derby undercard and was an impressive winner of the Sir Shackleton Stakes at Gulfstream Park last Saturday at a distance of seven furlongs. Shortly, we will talk to Robert Landry and talk more about the Canadian-bred Weyburn's Big Stakes race last week and what the future holds for the Chiefswood Stakes winner. Robert will also talk about some of the upcoming Woodbine opening day next Saturday and what we can expect to see from Chiefswood Stable this year and maybe if there are a couple of horses being pointed towards the coveted Queen's Plate. Also on the show, Harness Handicapper Garnet Barnsdale will join us again today. And Garnet works with Ontario Horse Racing and is also an analyst for the Daily Racing Forum's DRF Harness. Today we'll talk more with Garnet about handicapping harness races. And he will also take a look at tonight's fine carter racing at Woodbine Mohawk Park. Stay tuned as we will find out more about Garnet's handicapping techniques and what he looks for when he opens up the Standard Bread Racing Program and handicaps at Carter Racing. Plus, we will also find out about what the Life is of a standard bred handicapper. What it's all about. I mean, the ins and outs. We don't know, but we'll find out shortly in Pony 24-7, the radio magazine. And finally, while he's back, co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine Mohawk Park and some other North American tracks that are racing today with our Ponies Picks Today, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show. So you better get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to go for some heavy-duty action today. When we come back, my co-host Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent racing horse racing news. This is Ponies 24-7 the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7 the radio magazine brought to you by Woodbine Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing and Rocket Ship Racing more from the track when we come back on 105.9 the region Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. 
Feel the excitement of live streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government, and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Hey, welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Jim Lang, and let me introduce to you my co-host, the expert in all things ponies, Larry Simpson. Larry, how are you? I'm doing okay. How about you? Good, good. Two big stakes races last week, and uh, White Abario, uh, surprising some people winning the Florida Derby, went off at 5-1, to one, am I correct? Yep, he did, and uh, he looked good. Uh, it, it, it was actually, it was a good race. Um, you know, it was uh, two or three horses were right there, but... Uh, there was some talk that he had missed some time going into that race training and that, but um, I'll tell you, he didn't look like he had missed any time, and he looks like uh, he's punched his ticket to the Derby because he's had two nice uh, wins in a row. So Yeah, it was, a, it, was, and it was a big, big day at the Florida Derby, equally big at the Arkansas Derby with Cyberknife. What a what, what, four-length finish at the end to win that. Well, a really impressive last last leg of that race. Well, I was very impressed with uh, Cyberknife and the uh, Again, it's the Brad Cox, Flo Giroux combo, same as Mandaloon. So it looks like... Uh, they got something going on there. Yeah, and uh, Brad Cox has got uh, Tawny Port, too, who has uh, qualified for the Derby also. So, uh, yeah, I, I I liked Cyberknife in there. He looked a little bit green in the stretch, but uh, Flo got him sorted around, and uh, they, they weren't getting to him at all, so... I mean, this is a, a big, big week overall. We're a week away from Woodbine, the meat season opening up. Uh, we're just weeks away from the Kentucky Derby. It's getting pretty serious in the thoroughbred industry around North America, around the world right now. Well, this gives you something to get up for, right? Because, yeah, uh, absolutely. You got, you got good racing just about every weekend from now until uh, Kentucky Derby, and then there's big races after that too. But uh, yeah. I, I mean, I start thinking about it. Like, I mean, it's going to – like, you hate to use the term – but it's an all-out sprint once that Kentucky Derby hits for the other stakes races, and then you've got the Queen's Plate, and it's nonstop all the way to the Breeders' Cup in November. Yeah, and then it's Christmas. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> I, you know, and, and you know, this is why horse racing has become a 12-month-a-year job for people in the industry. Pretty much, and I think the simulcast has allowed for that too because it's, it's you know, it doesn't matter if you're sitting someplace in 10 feet of snow, you can still be watching the races from Florida or California or wherever, uh, New York uh, during the wintertime. And then uh, obviously, you know, we have the summer 
meets here at uh, Woodbine or spring summer at Woodbine, and then Fort Erie kicks in. And uh, yeah, it's you're right. It's uh, but I, I I attest all that to basically simulcasting because that's opened the doors for horse racing, and it's uh, opened up uh, more viewers, you could say, of the sport. So well, I have to credit where credit is due to you, Larry. You have talked about this for a while, at least in the last year and a bit in the show about the rise of Japanese horse racing in North America. And we're seeing a lot of evidence of that over the last few weeks, that Japan is making big inroads. And watch out for Japanese horses and Japanese bred and trained horses in the next, well, I guess, spring and summer, all the way to the Breeders' Cup. Well, yeah, you're going to start to see more because uh, once the Derby hits uh, and then you have the Preakness and, and then the Belmont, well, the next big days right well saratoga will mm-hmm. open and they have their big their big meets and their big uh, turf races and you'll start seeing a lot of you know your japanese bred horses racing in some of those races later on and uh, and you know hopefully you know they're hoping that they can qualify for a berth in one of the breeders cup turf races so and it's a big big bunch of races today including a big potential qualifier for the kentucky derby for some lucky horse yeah you got the million dollar uh, bluegrass well, the road the Kentucky Derby continues today at Keeneland Racecourse, and someone who knows it inside and out better than anybody is their longtime award-winning track announcer, Kurt Becker. Kurt, how are you? Good, good. Good to be back on the show again. Well, it's great to have you on, especially today with the $1 million bluegrass stakes and everything that comes with it and everything on the line for the horses and trainers and riders going into the Kentucky Derby, Kurt. It is, and I think it's especially exciting because uh, this year uh, the the path to the Derby seems especially wide open. There, there really has not been that horse that has stepped forward uh, to really dominate this crop. Maybe, maybe to some degree, folks have been looking at Epicenter, who was so good down at uh, the fairgrounds in New Orleans over the winter, but. Uh, uh, past epicenter, I think folks feel like that uh, a lot of a lot of horses still have a legitimate shot to get to the Derby and to make an impact on it. And I guess a lot of people are in the White Barrel camp too. Yeah, and 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 it's uh, it's it's interesting because uh, you know right right now it's uh, it's tough. I I will confess that that I'm having a tough time getting it narrowed down or identifying a horse that that uh, that I like in particular because they're. Maybe because there are so many question marks out there. I know that uh, today, for example, in our race, the Toyota Bluegrass, you, you look at a horse like Rattle and Roll. Uh, he's eight to one on the morning line. Well, that's a horse who looks spectacular over this racetrack when he won a grade one here last fall as a two-year-old, but he's not been able to replicate that form yet. So uh, a lot of questions yet to be answered. It's funny. I was going to mention him, too. I, I actually bet him in the futures. So... That's how I, I I base my opinions on these races. It's <laughs> who I bet in the future bets. But like you're right, that horse looks super, and that's why I took him in in one of the futures books. But uh, uh, the the thing I, I wonder is like Ken McPeak is bringing him back awful quick off that last race, eh? He is uh, not a not a whole lot of rest there from his uh, last start in the Louisiana Derby just a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, with, with Kenny having been around a long time and, and having won his share of prominent races, I, my, my best guess is this horse must be, uh, as the saying goes, he, he must be uh, uh, demonstrating around the barn that he's full of energy and he's ready to run back again. And, and uh, 
Yeah, I think if you're Kenny, you look at the fact if the horse is telling you he's ready to run back, and if uh, you look at the fact he loves Keeneland, it's a great opportunity maybe for that horse to to get back on his uh, his home territory, so to speak, and and maybe go ahead and uh, get the points that he's going to need to get Churchill down for the Derby. Kurt, you alluded to it earlier that it's so wide open. Why is it so wide open this year going into the Kentucky Derby? Well, I I think that one one big factor, gentlemen, and it's uh, you know, and this is not to not to veer off into a ditch on a controversial topic, but I, I think the reality is uh, regarding the fact that Bob Baffert will not be part of the Derby this year. I think that's had an impact uh, because if only because he's he's been so formidable in that race, and it seems like. Every year by now, Bob has one, if not two, if not three horses that are kind of emerging as powerhouses. So, uh, you know, the whole discussion about Bob and where he is and the reasons that uh, uh, that Churchill has suspended him from, from the Derby, I mean, that's a whole discussion for another day. Uh, I, will, I will say this. Uh, I, I know that Bob's, Bob's a very good horseman. He's, he's had a tremendous impact on the Derby. So the hard-cold reality set aside the reasons for it, if for any reason, Bob Baffert is not part of that trail leading up to the Derby. It's going to be a different landscape, and I think that's one of the reasons why maybe we we are talking about so many other horses and trainers this year. Hmm. Interesting, Larry. I want to get back to the bluegrass in, in a bit and have you maybe analyze it for us, but I think maybe for some new listeners and that, they need to know a little bit more about yourself and that you're the only track announcer that Keeneland has ever had, correct? That is correct. Uh, Ke- Keeneland opened in October of 1936. They went 60 years with no track announcer. And uh, the, the, the reasoning that uh, they often, Keeneland's slogan back years ago was racing as it was meant to be. <laughs> and uh, it was implied, if not stated explicitly, that racing was not meant uh, to have a track announcer. If you think back to when uh, the sport began back in Europe, obviously there would have been no public address system in the uh, the 16 to 1700s back in that era. But now, fellas, the, the best time's gone on. Keeneland's been a little more straightforward about saying, look, uh, got down to uh, the first race meet and they, they ran out of uh, money. I mean, it just, I think it was really a case where uh, they were running short on cash. Keep in mind, uh, it was the Depression era. The economy was tough and they had to, they had to make some adjustments. So they ended up, no track announcer, and they just kept it that way for a long time. But but the reason they changed it, guys, was the the era of simulcasting. When when you had to start sending your signal to other tracks around the country and around the world, they, they thought, you know, at that point, by the mid-1990s, it was time to have a track announcer. Well, Kurt, when you started doing it, did you get some pushback from the old-timers? Like, hey, that's not the way we do things around here at Keeneland. It's curious to me, uh, one of the great curiosities of that transition, which which came in April of '97. Uh, so literally 25 years ago this month, my recollection, uh, and, and really I gauged this from local newspaper articles from the Louisville Courier Journal, the Lexington Herald Leader, they sent reporters through the crowd to interview people. Were they uh, in favor of the change of, of installing a PA system or were they opposed? Most of the folks, uh, oddly enough, who who seemed in favor of it were the older, more seasoned racing fans, and a lot of the folks who were opposed were the younger set. And, huh. and my recollection, yeah, it was shocking. I, I think that the reason for that was a lot of the younger folks said, look, this was always a tradition 
my my grandparents, my parents would go there. There was never a track announcer, and I wanted to be part of that same tradition with a lot, what a lot of the young people said. And some of the older folks would say, I remember one man in particular told one of the local papers, he said, uh, my wife and I have been married 60 years. Her eyesight's been failing. She can no longer really see the horses clearly, so I'm glad there's a track announcer so she can hear what's happening. So I guess it's all in one's perspective. Hmm. So was there a hiring process for you, Kurt? Or how did they settle on you as the first announcer? Well, it, it came about, uh, Keeneland contacted me. I, I can still remember, it was the summer of 96, and I do some play-by-play work with Motor Racing Network, uh, which is a radio network that covers NASCAR racing, stock car racing. And I was at the Pocono Raceway in Pennsylvania, and uh, a phone call came to the broadcast booth from the Keeneland president at the time, Bill Greeley. And he said, we're, we're putting in a PA system, and we're curious if you would like to be the track announcer. I, I found out later that, that what had happened Keeneland thought if if we're going to put in a a PA system, we want an announcer whose voice is our own. They they really did not want an announcer who was identified as voice of another racetrack. And that's what worked to my advantage. I had actually called thoroughbred races for a couple of years in Chicago in the early 90s. I had left the horse business to go pursue full-time motorsports play-by-play so the fact that I was not active at the time and I was not identified with a particular thoroughbred track but did have the experience necessary, that is apparently from what I have learned in these last 25 years uh, from folks who were familiar with the process, they said that was really how it came about that I was hired. Occurred in your wildest dreams, did you ever think you'd still be the guy at Keeneland 25 years later? Absolutely not. I, I've asked myself that question. Back in 1997, if somebody would have mentioned the year 2022, <laughs> what would have gone through my mind? And that would have sounded like so far down the road. I will tell you this, gentlemen. One thing I do remember, uh, I remember being interviewed by a local TV station that opening weekend. And I, I acknowledged the fact that I had only been in Chicago for two years before I resigned the post to go pursue NASCAR. And I remember making the statement. I said, I think uh, one thing I do need, Keeneland's given me a big vote of confidence. I need to buckle down and, and show some commitment. So uh, I'm I'm glad it worked out for, for myself, uh, and I'm glad it's, it's worked out that Keeneland has been willing to give me this opportunity after 25 years now. Great story. Yeah. Okay, Kurt, we're going to put you on the spot now. Uh, give us uh, your picks for the uh, the bluegrass here. No pressure. <laughs> well, no, no, not at all. Uh, well, the, the bluegrass is a race that does not have a lot of early speed in it. I sat down and uh, took a look, and if you look at the past performances, you don't have a lot of horses that have a lot of speed coming out of the starting gate. About the only horse that does is a horse named Fenwick, who breaks toward the inside, and he's going to be a, a big price in that race. I think that Zandon is uh, maybe the best horse in the race. That's the Chad Brown trainee, but but the only challenge for Zandon, he likes to come from off the pace, and I would think he's going to need a little more pace up front. So here's here's the horse. I'm, I'm going to go with Grantham. Uh, Grantham is a Mike Maker-trained horse. Mike has won this race before. Grantham is the horse that was second at a huge price in the Tampa Bay Derby. I like the fact that Grantham likes to lay pretty close to the lead, I think he's a legitimate grade one type of horse. I think Grantham's going to lay right off the pace. I think Fenwick is your pace setter. 
I believe Grantham moves by, turning for home and takes the lead. And I think Zandon and some other horses, uh, Emmanuel, Rattle and Roll, Smile Happy, I think they're all going to be running late. But but I'm going to suggest that I think Grantham holds them off and because he's going to get first run coming off the final turn. Grantham is my pick. And, Kurt, we've been talking a lot about the 100 points with the winner, but plays their show, 40 and 20 points, that's not chump change. I mean, that's that could really help. It really could, and I think if one goes back, the, the point system for, for getting access to the starting gate began back in 2013, and it seems like every year now for these last eight or nine years, there always are a lot of defections as we get to Derby Week for one reason or another. Uh, connections will decide to withdraw horses, and as a result, the number of points needed usually drops down. Usually, if, if you are somewhere in that 20s range, once you get to to 20 or more points, you've got a pretty strong shot of making it into the starting gate. Hmm. Larry? You've called a lot of uh, bluegrasses. Which one was the most memorable for you? I, you know, I've, I've always said that, uh, personally speaking, uh, I think back to 1999, a horse named Menifee won, and uh, my maternal grandmother, she came to the races that day with my mom and with my aunt, and as it turned out, they all ended up picking Menifee to win, and it really, it really was fun. I, I can still remember uh, coming downstairs after the races, and I went to dinner with with uh, my family that night. And it was just, I really, to this day, I my my uh, my grandmother is gone now. My mom is still with us, and uh, my mom and my aunt still love to reminisce about what a fun day that was. As, as far as a memorable race on the racetrack, as far as what had happened, I I think. Uh, I, there, there are so many that that come to mind, but uh, one of them is uh, a horse named Dominican who won the 07 edition by holding off Street Scent by a nose. That was a blanket finish with three or four horses uh, together on the wire. Stately Victor rallying from last back in 2010 at a 40 to one upset. Uh, Good Magic a few years ago, the champion juvenile coming back to Keeneland where he sold as a yearling and, and winning. Uh, just a lot of fun memories. Kurt, always we could talk to you all day about this, but great stories, great memories, and enjoy a great day of racing. Always a pleasure, my friend. Fellas, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show, and uh, here's wishing everyone a, a safe journey on this Saturday afternoon. Indeed. When we come back, Chiefswood Stable, Robert Landry will join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Costa, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. Costa, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the Costa website at costaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. 
Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standardbred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Hey, welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Friend of the show, Robert Landry, general manager of Chiefswood Stable, joining us again today on Ponies 24-7. And last weekend, their Weyburn showed a new dimension in his career by winning the seven furlongs to Shackleton Stakes at Gulfstream Park in impressive style, part of the Florida Derby Stakes today. Uh, big day they had last week. Robert, welcome to the show. How are you? Great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, that was a great last furlong for Weyburn winning that race. What was your impression of that finish and that win by by Weyburn? Yeah, I mean, it was obviously, it was very exciting. I mean, we got to get him back on track. Uh, he'd been training, you know, up into this race. He's been training phenomenal. We, you know, we thought, you know, we had a bit large, big discussion after the uh, Pennsylvania Derby. Obviously, it was a subpar race for him. Um, you know, and we we started thinking maybe he's got a little bit of distance limitations against the top, top horses. Um, you know, obviously he's handled a mile on the 16th just fine before, uh, you know, finishing second, beating a neck behind the eventual Kentucky Derby winner. Um, you know, so we thought we'd freshen him up and, uh, you know, send him to Florida. We did entertain maybe running him on the grass as well. Um, that's why he went to Florida. And, and like I say, he, uh, he started training really well the last month, and we just thought that the Sir Shackleton going seven-eighths around one turn would be the best spot to start him back. So so is this like the new direction for him, uh, Robert, that he'll be more of a middle-distance runner or a sprinter or like well, a long sprinter? I mean, obviously what we'll do is I think his probably his ultimate, his best distance is probably going to be a mile. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I think I think that'll be his biggest strength. But I, I mean, I wouldn't be afraid to run him a mile on the sixteenth. Uh, you know, it's just going to depend where the race options are. But I'd like to keep him around one turn. Um, you know, right now I think it was a pretty powerful race, and um, you know, he he's obviously all his wins came at one turn. Um, not saying that we won't ever run him two turns again, but. Um, you know, I think right now we'll try and focus on one turn. But Robert, with the, that kind of performance and that win at the Sir Shackleton Stakes, are you starting to map ahead the rest of the spring and summer? What kind of races you're going to enter at Weyburn into? Well, definitely. I mean, I've I've got a long list already. I don't like to get too far ahead of myself. Yeah. You know, obviously I'll have a discussion with the owners, but um, you know, I've got you know I you know there's three options going forward. Coming up, there's a seven-eighths race at Churchill um, Derby Day. There's a mile and a sixteenth race at Churchill the day before. It's a grade two. It's the Alasheba. And the race on uh, Derby Day is a seven-eighths. It's a grade one, I believe. You know, and then there's a 
the same on Derby Day. On Derby Day, there's a there's a race at uh, Belmont, a flat mile called the Winchester. So I mean, we've got we've got a few options. Obviously, you know, he just ran. We'll let him train back, and and we'll go from there. You know, see what uh, Brandon says how he's training back. I I left Florida a couple days ago. I'm back in uh, Canada now, so you know, I'll count on Brandon to to keep me abreast of how he's doing and then we'll make a decision once he works back and we'll see how he's come out of the race and and really going forward there's nothing wrong with the money in the breeders cup mile is there <laughs> no nothing, nothing at all and, and and to be perfectly honest with you that's you know you've got to have a you've got to have a goal you've got to set a plan i i really believe with good horses it's it's important to have a plan and you know, if things don't work out, then you have to avert from that plan a little bit. But um, you know, I mean, that is our ultimate goal. I mean, I believe the Breeders' Cup at uh, Keeneland would be a two-turn mile. I believe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which I wouldn't be afraid to do. He's 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 like I said, he's he can run two turns. I just think one turn might be a little bit better for him. He's a he's a big horse, um, you know. But like I say, I mean, that is the ultimate goal. Is the Breeders' Cup Mile. Speaking with Robert Landry, the general manager at Chiefs Wood Stable, and talking about Weyburn, where does Woodbine and the Woodbine meet fit into all of this with Weyburn? Uh, well, right now, you know, really the only race that we might entertain down the road would be the Woodbine Mile. But, you know, if he's running well on the dirt, I don't really want to change his surface. You know, and if you're heading into, if you're thinking about the Breeders' Cup Mile, um, you know, you might, you'd want to stick to the dirt. So, um, you know, it, you know, you never say ever, but right now our, you know, we're trying to make them a stallion. And I just think, you know, winning those graded races in the stakes in the United States, if you're going to stand them in the United States, have a, have a lot more, you know, people look at that a lot more than the, the Canadian races. It's a bigger deal. Like, let's be honest, right? It's yeah. a big, yeah, it's a big yeah. deal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, perfect segue into into Woodbine next week's opening day. Uh, how many horses is Chiefs Wood going to have at uh, Woodbine this year? We we're going to have we're going to have probably around twenty four horses in training with different trainers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you know there may there may be a few more, but right now as it is, we will have about twenty four. Um, you know, and like I say, I've made it we've made a decision to you know we had a lot more horses in the states last year and we're going to start you know trying to run more in canada um so you know obviously we want to support canadian race and it's you know sometimes it's the logistics when you have a lot of horses that have the same conditions they end up sitting in the barn for two or three months because the race options aren't there and you can only run so many in a race so you know so Sometimes you've got to move them to different jurisdictions so you can get them running. But, uh, you know, obviously we, we're all from Canada. We love Canada. And the horses that fit here um, will run here. Uh, of the stable horses that will take part in the Woodbine meet, any potential Queen's Plate runners among them? Uh, we, we have a few. We have a horse actually right now with Graham Motion that ran his first start a couple weeks ago at Laurel. He finished second, a horse called Rebel Faith. So, you know, he's, he's, he's eligible. We have, 
we have a horse that just got beat a, a head in um, at Gulfstream called Cause and Mayhem that Todd Fletcher trains for us. Um, you know, we have another horse that ran last year, just got beat a nose um, named Uptown Lights. We've got four or five that are, you know, that are still on the bubble to make the plate. So, I mean, we've got lots of time. Some of them, you know, some of them haven't even raced yet. So, um, you know, once we get them started, we'll have a, a better idea. But we have eight nominated for the Canadian Triple Crown. Okay. Well, personally speaking, uh, Robert, you obviously rode uh, on a lot of opening days at, at Woodbine and before that Greenwood. Do you still get some sort of special feeling when opening day comes around here? For sure. You know, I mean, right now in the new position that I am, you know, the season never stops, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> the Florida and that. But, you know, even when I rode, um, you know, I was always excited about opening day at Greenwood or Woodbine. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just a new start, a fresh start. Everybody's, you know, hoping for good things, especially from a rider's perspective, you know, you're hoping to be leading, leading rider and you, you hope you're hoping to get off to a really good start. Um, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's always exciting for everybody. I mean, the unfortunate thing is most of our horses are distance type horses, so, you know, the early parts of the meet, they're all sprints, so you, we don't usually have a lot of horses that are going to go the first few weeks, you know, so, which is a little bit sad, but, um, you know, that's part of the game. What's so. your What's your feeling, Robert, about basically the plan now to run the Queen's Plate in August as opposed to traditionally in June? I would prefer it to be the traditional way. I, I would prefer that it would be run in June. Um, you know, it, I mean, it's a, it's a catch 22 cause some horses that gives them more of a chance, it gives them a more of a chance, those late developers to, to make it. But I mean, it, you know, why change things? You no, know, I mean, I'm a traditional type guy and that was our tradition to run when we run. So that's, I, I would prefer that if it was in June, the end of June hmm. myself. Okay, I we've had you on the show a few times, Robert, and I don't think we've ever asked you this. When you were be, uh, growing up, you wanted to be a rider. Who was your your basically your your mentor, your uh, your legend that you were following? Well, I followed a lot of a lot of riders. I mean, uh, Avelino Gomez and and Sandy Hawley, um, you know, were guys that I followed a lot. I mean, um, they were both great riders. Um, you know, but there was a lot of good riders around at that time, you know, and, and the coverage on horse racing, you know, in the newspapers back when I was, you know, starting out, I mean, you have two or three pages of horse racing mm -hmm. in the newspaper, you know, and you would always get a lot of news from the U.S. and, you know, you see guys like Shoemaker and, you know, all those guys, you know, so, I mean, I just kind of followed them all. I just, you know, I tried to watch a few, but. You know, I, I respected all the guys that were riding because it's a difficult job. Robert, always a pleasure. A continued success and great success with Weyburn. We love to see it. And we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Take care. Great. Thank you very much. Take care. Indeed. Bye. After the break, when we come back, Garnet Barnsdale. We love that guy. Joining us once again on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. We'll be right back. Hang on. 
Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert Elisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com horse ownership today. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Live harness racing continues at the Meadowlands Racetrack every Friday and Saturday evening with a post time of 6.20 p.m. The Big Gams Championship meet is highlighted by the Meadowlands Pace on July 16th, and on August 6th, it's the famed $1 million Hamiltonian, headlining an exceptional day of stakes events with a special post time of 12 noon. Watch and wager on all of the Big M's exciting harness racing action through your HBI bet account and Dark Horse app and be part of the Meadowlands Racing Experience. Visit PlayMeadowlands.com for racing details. COSTA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSTA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSTA website at costaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, friend of the show, friend to all, Garnet Barnsdale joins us once again, and the harness racing handicapping guru works with Ontario Horse Racing and the Daily Racing Forum's DRF Harness as an analyst for Woodbine Mohawk Park Racing. Garnet, as always, welcome to the show. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure for me, too. How are you guys doing today? Oh, we're good. We're good. We're very good. Uh, it's exciting times in the harness racing world, especially at Mohawk. Uh, for the listeners, maybe don't know why. Why is it such an exciting time around Mohawk with harness racing? Well, for one thing, we can go get in, and there's no restrictions, and we can go watch the races. But, um, you know, uh, summer is always the best racing at Mohawk. Uh, big stake season, uh, the North America Cup premier race for three-year-olds and three-year-old Colts and Geldings in North America is held there. And they have the second, uh, sorry, it's the third annual uh, Mohawk Million, which is the only million-dollar race for two-year-old trotters in the sport. So, um, you know, world-class harness racing, if you want to see it, you go to Mohawk Park. Plus the whole uh, uh, territory has changed, too, or is changing quickly because... There's less and less claiming races now. More and more young horses are qualifying and, and making their first starts of the season, correct? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we refer to uh, yearlings as people's lottery tickets, right? So <laughs> uh, you buy one, you, you try and 
you breed the best of the best, or, and when you when you're looking to buy one of those, I guess that's what you're looking for. But you never really know what you got until they hit the track. So it's always exciting times, and you know, kind of the old saying, "Hope uh, springs eternal." It's spring, and, and and that's when people like to hope when they see their horses hit the track for the first time. And how does that affect your knowledge and your your formula for handicapping with new young horses? Is that a bigger challenge for you? It is, and it's more work. Um, especially when you see a race full of horses making their first starts. Uh, some of the things I like to do because I have access to track it. So if I go back into horses um, breeding, I like to see the whatever the dam produced, I'll go back and take a look at how uh, a horse's siblings performed early in their careers. Sometimes you can get really good prices from that, um, especially if the particular horse that is going to be racing kind of has only like a mediocre qualifier. So it's not showing a lot of speed in its qualifying races. Um, but, you know, I've found instances where maybe a horse had two or three full brothers and all three of them finished first or second in their first start. So, you know, there's kind of, there's kind of a connection there where, um, you know, you, you potentially, um, even though this horse doesn't necessarily show that it's going to be ready, it could still be, and, and you can get a good price with doing things like that. Research and work. All right. We're, we'll probably get you to, handicap a few races for us in a bit, Garnet. But I know when we had you on a few weeks ago, you mentioned that uh, Greenwood was very special to you, and, and that's where you basically learned the trade in that. What was it that made Greenwood so special? Um, well, for one thing, accessibility. You could get there basically from anywhere in Toronto with a token, right? Um, mm. I used to take uh, the transit down there with my dad uh, early when, you know, he died when I was 15 or 16, but, um, I continued going there. And, and the other thing with the intimacy, right? When you, when you first walked in from the, uh, the West end entrance, the first thing you passed was like a horseshoe shaped paddock. And that's where the horses, uh, for the races would come. They would prepare in that paddock and they would, uh, the horses would exit and enter the track from that paddock. And they would, um, it would be pretty interesting because, uh, they would, they would have to, go past the way the betters right to get in and out of there so um sometimes the drivers would hear it from the <laughs> maybe didn't like their drive after the race but uh yeah ronnie waples told us that so <laughs> yeah, you know kind of being down by the lake i mean it was it was somewhat scenic and uh, you know it was just you, you could kind of get down there anytime and and um there was a lot of real characters at greenwood it's, it had a real racetrack feel to it um thinking thinking what was then and what you kind of see now, right? So uh, it was a fun place to hang out for sure. Is there a race that stands out to you from all those years and all those races you saw at Greenwood wow. Racetrack? A race that's, yeah, you know, there, um, there was a North there was a North American Cup. I don't remember which version or which year, but uh, Jade Lobel and Frugal Gourmet were the two horses that um, they were one to the whole race. And from the top of the stretch all the way to the wire, they battled it out and finished an inch apart. And um, part of what I remember was um, we're my sister and I, who's now deceased, we used to go all the time together. We were watching the race from the eighth pole, so we could only see the horses behind, basically, by the time they hit the wire. And she bet the exactor with Jate Lobel and Frugal Gourmet in that exact order. When they hit the wire, she said, I got it. And I turned to her and said, how do you know? <laughs> There's no way she could know, that she could know which horse won, but... If you ever, if anybody ever gets a chance to watch, uh, look up North American Cup Jeep Lobel. It's one of the great races. 
Well, I was there. I was actually at the finish line, Garnet, and I bet frugal gourmet. So, <laughs> I, oh, no. I'm not uh, going finding the video and watching it. Again. I, I can't take that heartbreak anymore. <laughs> I can't take that heartbreak. But uh, no, it was uh, it was probably one of the best races I ever saw too. But uh, um, before we get to to Mohawk tonight, you also handicap, you know, for Ontario racing and. Uh, do a lot on half-mile tracks and then five-eighths-mile tracks and that. Does your handicapping change from track to track to track? Yeah, it does. You know, I think um, half-mile tracks, you need you need to look for horses that are going to be out and moving or, or on the front end. Uh, on the front end or moving fairly early in the race. Uh, you got to be put into the race pretty early on half-mile tracks. You don't see a lot of closers win. You got to look for aggressive drivers that, that you know um, either, you know, put horses into the race earlier or can make speed. Whereas Mohawk's a little bit different now, right? A lot of races, they, they sit quite a bit and, and sprint home. So, um, you know, you want to look for strong finishers and maybe maybe drivers that uh, are a little more patient and a little maybe look for the smarter driver. Uh, one guy right now that's winning with everything from any trip possible is James McDonald. He I can't tell you how impressed I am, how outstanding he's been driving for the past year and a half. Just last night, he brought in a 39-1 to winner, my day, who was driven last week by Colin Kelly, who's actually been doing good at Mohawk, but he still knows James McDonald, right? And you, you could almost bet these horses blindly on these driver changes right now and make money. They're not going to all come in, but how many 39-1 to shots do you need over the <laughs> you know, time to make money, right? So. Um, I, I think drivers are very important in Mohawk right now, especially. It's a Saturday night, another great card at Mohawk. Uh, a lot of listeners like, okay, get to it. Task Garnet, who does he like? Who do you like? Who do I like? Well, I like um, I like a horse called Let's Get Pickled in the fourth race last week. <laughs> great last name. Week, uh, Mr. Pickle there, uh, he tried to make a middle move to the front, and the leader who's also in this race was Sundown Kid, wouldn't let him go. So they battled through a 27 and three second quarter, which is uh, very unusual and very fast at this track. He got forced back into the pocket, and uh, he was only beaten two lengths. And he and he actually beat the horse that uh, wouldn't allow him to make the front. So I thought that was a really really good race for Let's Get Pickled. The other one I like, uh, my best bet actually is in race one, Herbie Hanover number seven. He raced well against Tougher Company last week. He had the rail, which you know isn't really the best post at Mohawk for a number of reasons. Um, and I think he's going to be aggressive in this race and, and, and probably do well. And then if you look to race nine, the preferred handicap, there's something interesting in here that I'd like to point out. The preferred handicap, um, the best horses, whoever whoever the, the race secretary DC, the best horses are handicapped with the worst post. So in a 10-horse field, it would be 10, 9, and going inwards. Well, this race here, there's only six horses drawn in, and... Uh, the six Jimmy Freight who won last week and I think won three of the last four preferred was assigned the six hole and the five wheels on fire we beat last week was assigned the five hole which yes are the two outside <laughs> posts but they also happen to be the best post positions at Mohawk statistically so hmm. um, I don't know what you guys think about that but that's a little bit weird to me Larry what do you think that is that is strange but that's the way it's been for years right they they always go from the outside in on these handicap races right so yeah, and you know, I mean, but you're right; it's not a part, handicap. Part of the problem with the business is saying we always we've always done it that way. But I don't know 
what the answer would be in a case like this because you don't really know how many horses are, are, are going to draw in, right? So That's right. Are you supposed to run into the conditions if there's only six horses, we're going to give the best horse the rail? Yeah. Because it's not a good post anymore? I don't know. But I just thought that was interesting. And, um, you know, Jimmy Freight um, has come back and made 200000 after being offered two years. Um, he's owned by a good friend of mine, and I, I'm just so impressed with him. But I think him and Wheels on Fire are probably going to battle it out again in that race. And another interesting horse is number four, Points North, who dropped down last week and paced a 149 at two mile. Um, so if you like him, I, I would still demand a price because the last time he won at this preferred level was in October 2020. So just because you went faster last week when you move back up in class doesn't necessarily mean you're going to beat the better horses. I think we see that in thoroughbred racing too, right? Yeah. Sometimes when you're facing the weakest competition is when you can produce your best and fastest race. Interesting. Well, it says right in your Twitter bio, you are a diehard Bills fan, a season ticket holder. Is Vaughn Miller coming to Buffalo? They re-signed Stephon Diggs. How excited are you for the 2022 season, Garnet? Well, I, I don't want to say Super Bowl or bust because it's the Bills. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look what happened last year. But uh, I'm just excited that I can get into my seats again. And I can't wait for yeah. the opening game. I'm actually thinking about uh, making a trip down to the training camp that they have in Rochester at a small college called St. John Fisher. Do it. I, I, I've, I've been it. there a few times. You will absolutely love it, Garnet. It's beautiful. Okay. Okay. A road I'm trip. I'm not much of a fanatic <laughs> that I, I, I want to go, but um, listen, I mean, they're, do, they're doing all the right things, right? It's up to the players now. But uh, we also know, you also know how hard it is to win in the NFL. Like, from one game to the next, so many things can happen. Um there's no guarantees, but have they ever looked better? I, I don't no, know. No. I mean, this team is probably better than any of the four that didn't win a Super Bowl. No, I agree. They, uh, they, the management and coaching staff, they've got so much depth in all these positions. You're like, geez, if it wasn't for the stupid overtime rules, who knows how far they could have gone? Yeah, yeah. Um, the funny thing was, after my son and I celebrated Gabe Davis's fourth touchdown, I looked at the TV and I goes, do they really have three timeouts left? Like I was in my brain. I'm like, this thing isn't over yet. Right. <laughs> Partially because it's a buildy thing to do to lose after that. Right. <laughs> oh, Garnet, we could talk all day. You're a good man. Keep up the great work. We love having you on. I know the listeners love having you on and uh, let's have a great spring and summer wood by Mohawk park. Thanks to guys like you. I appreciate it, and I encourage uh, your listeners to look on the Ontario Racing website. You get my picks every day for the P-Tracks, PRF Harness, and if they want to follow me on Twitter, it's at GoCashKing. Okay. Uh, well, now, maybe next time you have me on, I can explain how I can Okay, that, we, we will do that. Okay, thanks, Garnet. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including, well, Woodby Mohawk Park, the Meadowlands, and, of course, some racing at several other North American tracks. So make sure that your HPI accounts and Dark Horse apps are ready to work overtime today. Stick with us for Larry's coveted Ponies Picks today. Sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to OntarioRacing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering Platform and the Dark Horse app. The best and safest online betting options. 
Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Okay then, before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems as Larry gives us his much-anticipated, coveted, Ponies Picks Today, sponsored by our good friends at Rocket Ship Racing. Larry, take it away. Okay, thank you, Jim. Let's start at Keeneland. 11 race card today. Big day. Big day, including uh, the $1 million uh, bluegrass stakes. Uh, hopefully, you know, it's a, a good race. Like, uh, it's billed to be a good one. There's some nice horses in there. So, uh, And real quick, 100 points for the winner, yeah. 40 for second. And 20 for third. So win, place, or show, you're getting some really valuable Kentucky Derby points. Yeah, well, your win and your place horse will probably qualify uh, automatically for the Derby. The third place horse, it depends if he's got any points coming into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but there's some nice horses in there, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, But uh, I'm also looking to the uh, forward to the 11th race today. Oh, it's well, a, do not, tell. Yeah, it's a nice five-and-a-half furlong sprint on the turf for four-year-olds and up for a purse of $120,000. The number six horse, Charles Chrome, was a beaten favorite in his last race on, on the Tampa Bay turf and was making his first start since October when he finished fourth on this same Keeneland turf course, and that was a small stakes event that he was in. Uh, the drop-in class probably accounted for why Charles Chrome was bet down to favoritism at Tampa last month, and also that Tampa race saw them go the first half in a quick 43-1, and one, like 43-1. and one is Wow. Yeah. What's going on there? I don't know, but uh, that's uh, stakes fractions, you could say. So uh, I think with uh, one race under his belt, Charles Chrome should be able to get the job done today. Uh, he's won at today's distance. He's raced well on soft turf, if that's the case today. And uh, his trainer has a very high percentage with horses making their second starts off the uh, layoff. So Keeneland, race 11, number six, Charles Chrome. And next... Uh, Santa Anita is part of their Derby Day card, uh, has 12 races set to go, and I'm looking at the 11th race, which is six and a half furlongs on the turf for four-year-olds and up with a purse of $72,000. The number 10 horse, Harbored Memories, had been off since August when he made his first start of 2022 on March the 12th, a race that his jockey attempted to take uh, no prisoners and go all the way on the front. (laughs) So... 
Well, it almost worked. Uh, <laughs> Harbored Memories almost went wire to wire and just got beat at the wire by a head. If anything, Harbored Memories should be a lot tighter today with that race under its belt. And uh, I think because it's coming from an outside post, it should give his jockey some options and it doesn't have to take all prisoners today. Uh, this is not a need-to-lead horse. In fact, his two wins last year, uh, Harbored Memories sat close to the pace and closed in the stretch. Uh, hopefully that's the way the race plays out today. So he likes the turf. He's two for three at the distance. And he has uh, two 49 handily works back-to-back since that last race. So he's got back-to-back works, which is a good uh, good sign. So Santa Anita, race 11, number 10, Harbored Memories. Up next. The Meadowlands has another 13 race card tonight. Race two is a one-mile trot for a purse of $12,500. Number five, Memo, is a horse that possibly is very familiar to our listeners because... Uh, our Mohawk followers probably remember this horse racing uh, here all winter. Uh, Memo debuted on April 1st at the Meadowlands and had actually been off for almost a month. Uh, so when you take that into consideration that his last start looks even better, a race that saw Memo leave, then sit a trip on the inside and finish second, timed in 154-1. and one. Uh, That was Memo's best time this year, so... I like the fact that driver Andrew McCarthy is uh, signed on to drive Memo again. Uh, we've talked about that. The driver drives it once, and then he drives it back, and he learns something from that first drive, and they usually have a good result. So uh, uh, also the horses had one start over the Meadowlands surface too, so I think Memo should be even tighter. So the Meadowlands race to Memo. Okay, and finally? Woodbine Mohawk Park has a 10-race card tonight, and race 8 is a one-mile pace for num winners of three races. Number 1, Century Invictus, just missed in same class last week as a beaten favorite, makes his third start off the layoff for trainer Harry Poulton. Uh, since qualifying on March the 11th, Century Invictus has run two improved races, uh, almost uh, dropped two seconds off his uh, times, and he should be able to get the job done tonight uh, with the field of num winners of three. I like the fact that friend of the show, James McDonald. Oh, is he a, hot? Yeah. Oh. He had a, actually a choice of three horses in this race, and he took this horse. So uh, I, I'm looking to uh, uh, the fact that this is a young horse. Uh, young horses seem to, to tend to improve from ages two to three, and it looks like that's what we have here. So... Uh, this is a better's delight gelding, nicely bred. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race eight, number one, Century Invictus. Good stuff and a special hello to our friend Mark at the Fans of Horse Racing. As always, thank you for joining us. For this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, just a reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of an issue of Ponies 24-7, the magazine, email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. Email, of course, as always, don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign don't horse around with lymphoma. For more information on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca slash ponies. Even though the silent auction's over, you can still donate to the cause. Stick around the 1059 of the region all weekend long. The Feed, York Region's only magazine show, The Legend and Romer, up next. I'll be back here Monday morning. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the races. We'll see you soon. Take care. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Jim Lang and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more on the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.